Hello, everybody out there on Spaceship Earth, and welcome to yet another episode of Wheel Bite, coming to you live from San Francisco, California. This week's episode, we are super stoked to welcome our first guest, Sean Connolly, who rode for Think Skateboards, the subject of this week's episode. Sean is a very well-respected skate legend around the Bay Area, and it was so cool to just get to sit down and talk to him about this era of his life and his time with such a prestigious company like Think. We get into some of the real nitty-gritty of the story, so I'm just going to turn it right over to the episode, which was recorded at the San Francisco Skate Club which is one of the best youth skateboarding organizations in this city. You can find more information on their programs at sfskateclub.com. They are open at 11 a.m. and located at 635A Divisadero Street in San Francisco, California. They've got boards. They've got clothes. They've got an incredible catalog of skateboard-related media, and they do great things for the local skating youth of San Francisco. So if you can, check them out. And once again, thanks again, Sean, for joining us. Here we go. The Think Skateboards episode with Sean Connolly. Welcome to San Francisco. Don't skate here. I feel like, I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast Powerhouse. From the New York, a fabulous I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll take out the Denny Hannes if you slide that 75 foot handrail. I especially like the flip of the board. What up, what up? Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Wheel Bite. I am host one of two, Theodore Mater, and with me as always is... Jay Green here. And today we are joined by... Local legend, entrepreneur, and professional skater. Uh, Sean Conley. I don't know if I can claim all that stuff, but I'll... let's just roll. Thank with you. It. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's just roll with it. Yeah. Local legend for sure. Yeah. Today we are talking about we're doing the first installment of something that Jeremy and I have wanted to do for a while, and that is defunct companies that are no more that we grew up enjoying, loving, watching, and today we're going to talk about Sean's, was that your first sponsor, actually? Like, it, it was my first board sponsor, yeah. 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 Think Skateboards, mm-hmm. um, legendary company from yeah. the 90s, one of the more notorious San Francisco brands, for sure, mm-hmm. and we're going to kick things off with remembering the most standout thing from think and for me personally it was their logo i mean that logo whether it be the light bulb or like think in like the cool sort of raver-esque font you know i always felt they were a good logo can stand the test of time in so many different ways you know look at something like just the misfits logo or um like you, the Thrasher you, logo. Are you talking about the light bulb or the, the, the tag logo? Both of them. Okay. I, I think both of them, like... Well, the tag was first, right? 
I, I think the light bulb was first. I think maybe the light bulb was first okay. and the tag was second. Okay. Um, but it's that's very early on. Okay. I think that because um, and I was going to get into this later on and name some people that skated for Think, but um, I think Drake Jones has a the light bulb tattooed on his hand, if I'm oh, not wow. mistaken. Yeah, because little known fact that he rode for Think. I was going to talk about that, but really, uh, yeah, you know, we'll get into it. Yeah. So <laughs> and that was so far back that it makes me assumes that makes light, me think it's okay. before the tag. Yeah. Cool. Oh wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I hope I can throw some other zing uh-huh. zingers in there. So I, you know, I have, I feel like I have an interesting relationship with uh, just think in general. Being from San Francisco, it was <clears throat> one of the first brands, if not the first brands and companies that I very directly related with the city. And, you know, looking back at it as an adult and later on in my skate life, and we'll go into that later in uh, this episode also, but I am wondering why I so heavily related it with San Francisco. Obviously, the brand was being ran out of the city, but what I learned is that a lot of the skaters, a lot of the talent that was brought in weren't necessarily city skaters or from the city or maybe had been in the city or the bay area for a while but i always just very directly related think with um san francisco skateboarding Hmm. um and then of course in typical fashion i'm gonna give a two-parter um way later down the road i was i don't know about a best memory but I was really happy when Adrian Williams got on Think, Mm -hmm. and I I finally felt like he's one of my all-time favorites, and he's beyond underrated, if Mm -hmm. you ask me. Absolutely. Um, And I felt like Think made sense for him, Um, and he put out that little part he had. There was Mm -hmm. like a DVD. I actually think I went to the premiere across the street at the wow. independent yeah they if i'm not mistaken and this was the last video they made it was aces wild or okay something like that yeah. that wasn't the last video but that was like featuring mostly his okay the major part yeah, yeah. That was really i was good. i was super stoked when yeah. he got on and i think i felt that way every sponsor he had i was mm-hmm. like oh man like this seems like a good fit like let's find him a good home yeah and i was just i don't know i was just hyped for him and it mm-hmm. seemed to make sense um okay so i'm I'm trying to think about like I want to give you a first-hand account of like what I impacted me the most with Think. I feel like um actually one of the first skate demos I ever saw was a Think demo, and it was in Maine, and I'm from that's where I'm from, Maine, and um it was pretty surreal. You know, uh, I was from a little home, little small town. I didn't grow up with like a skate shop in my hometown, like, and so I had to go like 45 minutes to this skate shop in Portland, South Portland, Maine. Middle of nowhere. I don't even know why they had a Think demo or how it worked, but it was a Think demo, and it was Dander Hobel. And uh, if you remember, Adrenaline was through. It wasn't even Street Corner yet, but it was um, Think. Adrenaline was out of the same uh, warehouse. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a demo with him, uh, Justin Strubing. That's that's wow. why I'm making the connection between uh, Adrenaline at the time, and uh, I can't remember the other. Uh, Phil Shia was there. Wow. Yep, I, Absolutely remember him being there. Heavy. Uh, and a couple other skaters, but I don't really remember who they were. Maybe some AMs. But um, the photographer that was cruising with them was um, Matt McGrath. 
so it was really cool because like I met Matt at the time at the demo. We we're just sitting around in the grass, and I met Matt, and he was like super cool dude, like real down to earth. We we're just chatting about this and that, and um, he was like, "Yeah, I live in San Francisco," and I was like, "Oh, I want you know, I want to go there someday." You know, I watched them skating, and like, dude, they were just ripping. They were just killing it. Like Justin Strubing, killing it. Um, Phil Shile, obviously, is just like so natural on the skateboard, and uh, and Drahobel just killing it. You know, he probably kind of weird for him being on tour and coming back to his close to his hometown and whatnot i don't know mm -hmm. but um we went from that spot and then i kind of tagged along with them and i sh i don't know if i was showing them street spots or if what the deal was but we went to this bank spot that was like it was a semiconductor industrial setting but it had these banked walls that were super steep and they were just like killing it like cru cruising up on this wall sticking to it doing all these tricks like we we skated there and we do all rides on it basically but they were like riding up the wall doing backside flips and i just watched them skating and they were just landing everything and they weren't even filming the tricks you know they were just like doing it it had a huge impact on me and i was like this is rad because these dudes aren't just filming everything they did a demo they skated for like so many hours and whatever and then they went street skated and they just like kept putting it down i'm like why aren't they taking pictures of every like this is like the best skateboarding i've seen live and you know kind of like up to that point so that struck me as like these are kind of real dudes so i had a lot of respect for that how did you end up like tagging along with them well i knew dan okay you know okay. so it was like you know looking back he was probably like just putting up with me uh, like oh yeah okay like you, you can grab. yeah because he probably he probably already knew that spot he he actually he probably took us to that okay. took everybody to that spot and i was just like yeah yeah I you guys there's this really good bank down the street and because i was just a kid i was i think i was 17 oh wow, i think i was okay. 17 which is kind of older for skateboarding now how much cool. older was dan than you at the time you know, it's weird when you're younger because, like, you feel like two years, like, if someone's two grades ahead of you, it feels like they're, they're like, yeah, they're light, way older. Yeah. I think Dan's like, I'm just going to guess about four years older than me, just based on the fact that we weren't in high school at the same time because we went to the same high school in, in Brunswick, Maine. So, oh, wow. I'm just guessing because, like, he was already out before I was in. So, it's a minimum of four years. Um, but you know how it is when you're a pro skater that's kind of older. You're like, you're 32 for like seven years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Currently. Yeah. Nobody wants to brag about how old they are in skateboarding, but, uh, the first experience of like kind of putting that timeline together or just thinking back was um, in my art class. Dan was into art and I was into art. And uh, in my art class, I was going through the, the um, paintbrushes and I found a paintbrush that had his name on it. It said Dandra Hobel on it in the art class. And I'm like, oh, this is Dandra Hobel's paintbrush. Like, okay. That's so you know? out. But in a way, it was kind of cool because, you know, it brought it down to earth. It was like, okay, this is a dude that lived in our hometown. Our hometown is shit. Like, there's nothing there. It was a terrible place to skateboard. And, like, he had made it on to this, you know, he had a picture in a magazine or a trick in a video or whatever. From my perspective at that time, that was, like, you know, worlds away. It kind of made it possible. I mean, that has got to be pretty huge. You know, here's, like you said, you're in this small town in New England that's so far removed from what is considered to be any sort of epicenter of skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And then a guy who's getting coverage and is part of one of the biggest scenes at the time because he mm -hmm. was involved with the whole emb movement and everything yeah. you know there's i always think of that portrait of him at emb with like all the stickers yeah. on his freshly shaved head yeah. do you know the one i'm talking about i don't think i do uh it's awesome he has like a big think sticker on his bald head and he's yeah. like standing there on the bricks and yeah. it's freaking awesome but 
And that's around the time where, like, the industry is heavily moving to California or it's, like, exploding in California. Yeah, absolutely. Especially San Francisco. Yeah. At that time, it was just, like, San Francisco was a spot, man. Like, you know, there was Embarcadero. um, It was just blowing up. I want to say... Right around that time, a couple of key videos came out. There was some. There was a Think video that came out shortly after, but I'm talking, this is probably like 94, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and when the demo was. Influential video, I would say, was uh, the stereo video had come out, and that was just like dudes skating down the street, like they look good on their skateboards. You didn't have to do really hard tricks. You know, that wasn't necessarily true. It was the aesthetics of it, and that just always drew me to San Francisco. That, and I think the Ride On video came on shortly after that, and when the Ride On Deluxe video came out, I was like, it was a sealed deal it was just like that's the place to go you know there's no other place to me i didn't know the difference between california like all the subtleties of it it was like right i didn't know that rick Jaramello skating in southern california wasn't the same as henry sanchez skating in barcadero you know i didn't i i knew there were different styles but i didn't i didn't know that there was that distance and like what made those two things different you know so then what and when brought you to california like how long after finishing high school did it take you to get to San Francisco? It didn't take long. I basically, uh, I got the opportunity to move from Maine to live in Costa Rica because my father was living there. I got to kind of get out for a winter and all I knew was that Costa Rica wasn't Maine. You know, that's, I was like, oh, I'll go there. You know, I skated every day and um, it wasn't the best place to skate, but it wasn't bad. Like it did, it wasn't snowing every day. You know what I mean? So I, I stayed there for uh, about 10 months and I got back to Maine in um, May 15th. And I remember thinking, okay, if I get back to Maine in May 15th, the weather's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I was on the plane and they were like, all right, we're about to touch down in Maine. The temperature is about 36 degrees. And I was like, it's, it's May 15th. Like it's 36 degrees. I was like, I'm out of here. So I worked, <laughs> I worked for a summer cleaning hotel rooms, total crap job, but it's kind of, it was kind of fun. Like it was a lot of hijinks to be had cleaning hotel rooms. I can imagine. Yeah. Probably find some weird shit. Oh man. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. It's its own podcast. Yeah. I, I just remember getting trained and, um, and looking at the guy and he's training me and I'm like, so we have to get every hair out of the, out of the bathtub. Oh. And he's like, yes. Oh. And I was like, Okay, this is going to be tough. Bring it back to a motivational moment. Uh, When I was working there, I knew what I was doing. I was saving money to move to San Francisco. So every time that I would um, change a curtain in a a shower, I'd pop the curtain pieces on, and I would would think about tricks that I wanted to do when I got to San Francisco. So I'm, like, putting up the, the curtain, and I'm like... Okay, I want to do this. And, of course, in your mind, you're like, I'm going to do this down the gons. I'm going to do this down hubba, you know. Oh, boy. But um, it was motivational for me to, like, grind it out. And it was, like, kind of my first job. Okay. So it was, like, the first time. And that's old to be having a first job. Uh, Shortly after that, I moved to San Francisco. And I left in November, took a train out here, which is kind of not the normal way to do it. But uh, me and my friend Dan, we wanted to see the the distance that's created by doing that. And I don't know, we were just not smart about it. You spend so much money on the train, like eating and stuff like that, it's ridiculous. Then we got to San Francisco and I moved here and uh, signed a lease on an apartment in December 95. Okay. Yeah. So now was Think your first board sponsor at that point? And then how did you get involved with them? Was like, was meeting Matt McGrath and Dandra Ho- or knowing Dandra Hobel? part of the deal or was it just completely random that 
you wound up there. It had absolutely nothing to do with it. Like it's just a, it's just an <laughs> anecdote from the past, you know. Wow. Um, so that's that's pretty crazy because usually that's how things work. You know, you kind of create a relationship with skaters. You like skate with them, and they're like, you know, this makes sense. This, we we can stand this guy. We we'll put him on a team. You know, it's not too annoying. Um, but what happened was um, I actually worked at High Speed Productions, which is Thrasher Slap, Juxtapose. And I don't know, they had a couple other magazines they were doing for a while. And I would skate on breaks. There was a 10 o'clock break every day. And I was just a skate maniac. And I just skated every day. And, uh, you know, dudes would be hanging out by the, there was like a donut truck or taco truck that would pull up for 10 o'clock break. And I just, I put in work. Like, I was like, okay. You know, and it wasn't that I was trying to skate in front of them. It was totally, because, dude, you got to think about me. I was like, if you picture the um, the evolution picture of the of the human like becoming erect <laughs> like i was like the second one <laughs> and picture it holding a skateboard yeah like i was crow magnum skate like i couldn't communicate like all i knew how to do was just skate and like break down skating in my own mind like i couldn't translate it you know i couldn't talk about it or whatever all my stuff was wrong i was doing frontside flips pushing down like i was just doing it all wrong but i skated hard and i i caught fausto's eye during one of those 10 o'clock breaks you know i kind of knew they were watching and i was kind of things were clicking and i'm like okay i'm gonna I'll keep doing tricks. I'll keep doing tricks. And I probably went like going back and forth and I did all this, all these tricks. And I was just kind of feeling it one day. And as I walked in, Ed Riggins, who's the um, publisher of uh, High Speed said, oh, you caught Fausto's eye today. And up to that point, I had been buying boards because when you worked for High Speed, you could buy boards from Street Corner for um, cost. And I was buying boards over there, and I was like, this is a life. Like, I'm getting paid five fifty an hour, and I can buy skateboards whenever I want for $20. No, what, what, what else well, do I need? Yeah, what <laughs> else do you need? It's only 47 hours a week, you know, and I have to commute like oh, an man. hour back and forth from downtown. You know, <laughs> the dream. This is, yeah, this is the dream. And I can film for an hour and a half on the weekends. I bought boards over there, but after that, I went in one day, and Fosto was in there, and he's like, this guy doesn't pay for boards anymore you know he just christened it and <laughs> yeah. it was a done deal and um i'm sure as as a kid does what does that mean does that mean yep. i'm flowed does that mean i'm on like that's especially yep. coming from fosto yeah yep because that wasn't the team manager it right. wasn't the owner it was like the the owner of the owner's owner you that know was what I mean? my next question yep. i didn't you bring up fosto's name i didn't know he was it just because he was kind of the boss man around there that he was able to make those calls? Because I didn't know he was had necessarily like a a hand in on Think. Yeah, that was that was his baby. That was his company. Like he he just kept it going, you know. Uh, even when it was slumping or whatever, or it would go through different changes of riders and whatnot. That was his thing. Like he stuck with it. And of course, there was Keith Cochran and um, Fish and. Uh, Greg Carroll, you know, mm -hmm. and they were the ones that kind of did most of this stuff. It mm -hmm. seemed like to me, from my okay. perspective, and then there was the salespeople, warehouse people, and riders and whatnot, and art department. But this is like the golden era of skating. Like, there, you know, there was all these people employed in this building, you know, and there'd be like lunch break, and it was the artists were there, and the warehouse people were there, the sales guys were there, the owners were there. You know, they're all in one place. Whereas now, it's probably like everybody's kind of split up, and you know, it's not cohesive. But during that time, it was rad. And um, I started getting boards from them, and uh, I think Keith was like, he was like, dude, you got, you got the green light or whatever, and I, so I started getting boards. I, and I think Jake Phelps had a little something to do with it. I think he might have put in a good word for me at one point. I, I'm just kind of backtracking a little bit, but I don't know if that's exactly the case. But at the time, it's kind of funny because I was, 
I, th I was trying to get on a company. I was trying to get boards. And the other person that I was talking to was uh, ATM Skateboard. And I had sent them some video some videos and it's funny because i took it so serious like i was like oh man what should i do like i went to jake and i asked him for his advice you know and it was like the most terrible advice you ever wanted <laughs> you know it was just non-cohesive like you know i, would you know, have I could have been a fly on the wall for oh that man one. <laughs> yeah me coming to him for advice he's just like you know what he did he sat me down and he put in some footage of like dandra hobel skating and he's like oh this is this is a pro skater and then he put in some am footage of um that, that he had that hadn't been released yet of um carrie getz and bam Margera who were ams at the time wow and they were just killing sf they were grinded down the double kink rail by um, muni station by powell station yeah what? and did all this stuff at black rock and like he's like this is what ams do like just basically belittled me to the point of like wondering if i should even be able to get grip tape from him yeah but eventually um I, I talked to um, my other person that I went to for advice was Lance Dawes. So Lance was like really kind of like somebody that I respected his opinion. Asked Lance the same thing, and Lance was like more straight up. He's like, dude, one's across the street, and one's like in Southern California. He's like, one should go for the one across the street. It just makes more sense. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it sounds like a good plan to me, you know. So I took him up on it, and I started getting the boards, and yeah, it just went from there. I want to talk to you for a minute about the Think Squad around that time too was pretty heavy like we've already mentioned dandra hobel but like mm -hmm. phil shaw oh, yeah. was was one of the big ones yep. and then wade spire mm -hmm. and you know pat duffy was getting pulled into the mix yep. i always forget that he was involved with think because i always like to remember him during his toy machine era but D diego was yeah the on the team yeah the he, he was on and yep. then colt cannon was on the come up so mm -hmm. I mean, what was it like skating with these people? Was it intimidating, or were you just stoked like to have these kind of people in the same circle as you, like motivating you? Almost? Yeah, they, I mean, all those guys are so amazing. I mean, that's the thing about Think was like it's funny because no one was heavy image with like not really a lot of ability, you know, to back it up. It was like the opposite. It was like they had all this ability. But Think could never find a way to like properly kind of like showcase people. You know, I feel like they kind of, they would kind of mess it up for people. Like mm. with Diego, they called him the butcher and it was like chop, chop. I think maybe Jake might have labeled him that. But it's weird and it, it doesn't make any sense, you know. Mm -hmm. um, looking back, we're like, it makes sense a little more. But um, and then Danny Fuenzalita was, was on and he was the um, Chilean prince or whatever, you know. And they would That's like, right. it was just weird connections that they would make. And um I feel like they were never they never really it never really worked out um but it was always a team of dudes that were like really skating you know they were really putting it down and um no way to argue it it was like they could put on a demo they could skate like everything and um I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't work out for me cuz I I couldn't really skate everything cuz like I didn't skate parks you know I didn't grow up skating that stuff and that that was like a a soft spot for me you know it was like I was a street skater like I was skating 60 millimeter wheels in like 96, 97, you know, I was like heavily influenced by Philadelphia skaters, which spent some time there and skated with, with all those dudes. And to me, that's where my, my heart was. And it wasn't in the transition skating, you know, would you say that was around the peak of think and the height of the company around that time? I feel like it was, I mean, I went, I went to a um, video premiere for damage when it came out and it was like the I had just moved to SF. So funny. It was at the Red Vic Theater, which isn't there anymore, on Hay Street. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I found out about it, but we're, like, all skating up there. We're going to the Think premiere. Like, and we had just, like, showed up at it. I remember Henry Sanchez was there. A bunch of dudes from the pier were there. 
and Henry's trying to sell some wheels. It was pretty funny. The lights went out, and like, you just hear Henry go, "Want to buy some wheels?" <laughs> it, it was so rad. And I, I didn't know anybody. And I watched the video, and I'm like, "It was a sick video." You know, we just like left the left the premiere. It was like just hit the streets skating, and it just got us so amped to skate. Um, so I feel like that was the golden era, and uh, Phil Shaw was such a good skateboarder. I mean, he was just so graceful on the skateboard. You know, um, he had so many um, good qualities other than just being a good skateboarder, you know, that you just couldn't deny. Like, when I met him, he always rem remembered my name after that. You know, we'd see each other, and he'd call me by name, and I was like, wow, that's cool. You know, and he always put down something amazing when he skated. And when I started working at high speed, the first cover that I shipped working there was the 5-0 um, grind on Miley. Oh, nice. man. That was amazing. And, um, and it's, it's really tragic, you know, that he's gone, and that's a really super bummer. I was young at the time, and um, I remember uh, when he passed, I went over, and I, I had a broken truck or something. Like, I really needed to get stuff, and I was like, man, I don't want to go over there and get something today. You know, I just don't want to. You know, I know everyone's really emotional, and it was just such a bummer. Like, you know, it just hit me when I went over there. I just felt like such a... A, a kook like asking for but I needed the kingpin or something but I felt like after Phil passed Paul Zuanich there's another name from the past Paul Zuanich ripped dude he was super rad dude he used to do a lot for the company that people don't know about he was over skating after that you know because sometimes this stuff affects you in different ways so he was over it I feel like Dan not having Phil I don't know they were kind of like tight mm -hmm. maybe like loosened up the grip on things mm -hmm. And yeah, it just got kind of weird after that. It kind of kind of got a little weird. Like they got all these foreign riders on there, like Veith Kilbert. And one day they were like, Veith Kilbert, we're gonna, he's gonna be pro for us. He's supposed to be the Muska from Europe. And it was like, oh, he's a Muska from Europe that we've never heard of. Like, you know. He's the Veith. Yeah, the Veith. <laughs> I'm glad you touched on Fink's kind of weird, ambiguous marketing, mm -hmm. I guess, with the riders, because that's something Ted and I were talking about the last like week or two yeah. is and something that we've really wanted to talk about was it's really interesting to think back that because in my again in my local mind think was bigger than big at the time mm -hmm. and it was and it was just you know one of those kind of cultural phenomenas and it's interesting to think that they had all this talent and they had kind of the big buzz and they had fosto and mm -hmm. the carol name behind it yeah. but for whatever reason i don't know correct me if i'm wrong couldn't keep a consistent theme or foster the talent they had mm. um and it sounds like phil passing was like a yeah. big blow to the company and a lot of the writers that yeah. were with the crew it's just it's just interesting to kind of reflect and look at this whole heavy roster mm. of dudes they had on and and inevitably where think ended up yeah it's it's pretty wild so with um with him passing and then the, the change yeah it just got weird for a little while and with the ads and stuff like I, I feel like the problem as well was um there's too many cooks in the kitchen you know and those mm -hmm. like people like one time i was in there and uh on, honestly like i need to also point out the fact I, I think you guys might have chosen me because i'm the oldest skateboarder you know <laughs> you know so i can tell you good stories you know um but the other the Happy other thing on the porch type situation yeah, yeah um you know i'm the oldest dude you know that skates on the visadero block so you're just gonna come over and interview me but but it's funny because i don't I don't, uh, you know, people don't even kind of know that I skated for Think. I was very small on their, on their radar. Um, they didn't promote me at all when I skated for them. And so it's kind of funny for me to be here as, you know, speaking as an speaking authority on the yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. But, 
But at the same time, like, you know, that was a very um, influential time in my life. Um, it's the kind of time of your, in your life where you um, you really remember everything, and it's very it's very important to you. And all the things happen. It's like um, it kind of molds you to be the person you eventually become. I feel like that era just meant so much to me, and um, and I put so much effort into like what I did, and and I really I still care about skateboarding, you know. But during that time, it was just like I was a hundred percent into it. So back to um, too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, I was there during a like I guess like a kind of like a graphics meeting. I was just kind of like privy to, I just walked in and they're looking at this graphic and, and they're kind of all saying like, oh, this is, I like this, I don't like this, you know? And Fausto's like, he looks at, there's this gun and he's like, oh, you should put a bullet here coming out of the gun, like, you know? And, and it was kind of like um, Greg and, and Keith kind of looked at each other and like, oh yeah, we'll do that, you know, yeah. And then he kind of like would leave the room and they'd be like, okay, like, you know? And I, I saw the eventual graphic that, change didn't happen so it, it always just kind of seemed like there was a bunch of people trying to figure out like what was going to sell and they couldn't really figure it out like there was a series of like two years they didn't have skateboarding in their ads wow. there was like an ad with tim mckenney with his feet up on some um half naked girl on a um a bearskin rug in front of a fireplace and i remember them shooting that and, the, and the, it was in the high speed warehouse and was, this girl walks in and she's wearing like leopard print high and high heels and i'm like what's going on here yeah. and then they produced that ad and i was like okay that's that's what they were doing and then there was another ad with um wade spire um dressed in it all in nike gear with a basketball and it said grandmaster wade and it's just like it was just really weird you know uh that's that's and then really the, bizarre yeah and then there was a period where they had a, they had a few ads mocking the um skateboarding in the olympics and they had a dildo with a skateboard wheels on the top like first place and there was a scooter on one side and like something on the other they're kind of trying to point fun pick fun at stuff and you know kind of be like a little bit uh trying to stoke the fires a little bit almost like a world industries type of but that was direction. well that yeah. was the time yeah. to do that mm -hmm. a lot of people were yeah. doing that and okay. taking subtle shots at others in the industry yeah. Yeah. it makes sense but again mm -hmm. like to go back to just like the heavy roster and mm -hmm. not have yeah. skate ads yeah. being put out is because like i weird. said they always choose chose people that just ripped in person like they put it down you know and it's just like it could it just never properly got documented like jehobo didn't really have i feel like his first really representational video part until um, the uh, trans world video. We were actually talking yeah. about that the other day and how, you know, that free your mind part mm -hmm. was the first truly yeah. full length showcase of his skating. You yeah. know, that's like a good four, five minute part mm -hmm. as like dedication. I think he has maybe two minutes worth of footage yeah. and so much of it looks like it was shot at like contests or. Yeah something like that you know, you know some janky wooden ramp because yeah. I, I, I read an interview with him once where he even says you know a lot of my parts were short back in the day because there just wasn't as much transition around yeah. and the demand for it wasn't as high yeah. you know by the time that trans world video is coming out transition is starting to kind of take the country by storm it's mm -hmm. a little more acceptable to put yeah. park footage in your part as long as it's really crazy and that's the thing you know yeah. half that part is him just destroying the berkeley park oh it stands the test of time i mean um you know people looking back now they skate like people are skating like dan now yeah you know but when he was doing it everybody was like they just didn't get it you know i mean when he was skating emb when he first moved here it was like sick like he uh i think he did a switch stalefish or a switch melon down the seven at emb like that's that's so different you know but and then he was skating at, I'm sorry, EMB, but he was skating at 
uh, had tricks at DMV. He had street tricks and stuff like that. But like the transition and stuff is where he really killed it. You know, um, mm-hmm. in hindsight, you know, it's it's really stood the test of time because we look back at it and it's like, oh, that's that's just how it is. You know, but a lot of people kind of dissed him because you know they didn't get the transition stuff. And well, in the grand scheme of things, too, within the scope of everything happening in San Francisco at the time, because like the era we're talking about, you know. Stereo is still killing it. Mm-hmm. Anti-hero is just coming into fruition. Yep. You're kind of in... Real was killing it. Yeah, well, I was about to say, you're in the peak yeah. time of Real because I feel yeah. like that era, like 95 to 2000 on Real, that's where you have like Kim Cardona, Matt Field, yep. Cairo Foster's getting in the mix, mm-hmm. Max Schaaf's winning all these competitions. But in yep. the grand scheme of the SF scene... Where did Think kind of stand in relation to all of that stuff? You mentioned that it was like you kind of had the feel for it like it was SF, but it wasn't really SF. I think that was a part of the reason why they kind of lost their focus a little too was because they Think was a company that would sponsor like so many dudes in the middle of nowhere. You know, they they kind of had the Dogtown mentality of um, Dogtown later on, not like the really early stuff, but... Um, of sponsoring somebody from every town and that was like an old way of doing it like you'd have riders shop sponsored getting boards so like you probably had like 300 people in the middle of nowhere that were like i ride for think you know and all the kids in the town were like down and it wasn't too much different with their riders because a lot of the dudes were from peninsula or like not really san francisco there was Corey duffel who popped Mm -hmm. up and he was out in in duffel land yeah and then um you know you've got all these riders from different places it just didn't feel like they utilized san francisco i went on a i don't know what it was we did this day with this extreme television show one day i don't know it was weird i don't even know how i got invited to it but we ended up going skating and hitting some street spots and it was funny because i felt like everyone seems like they're kind of like a fish out of water, you know, going street skating. And they were all talking about, oh, you know, San Francisco, and they wanted to kind of like promote Bay Area skate parks. Someone that that was involved in sales at the time, and he was like, yeah, you know, SF's great because it's in proximity to so many rad skate parks. And I'm like, man, this place is rad because we have, you know, EMB here, we've got Brown Marble, we've got Black Rock, we have these amazing, we had Pier 7 at the time, we had so many rad, and we got the hills, you know, it's just made for skateboarding. Um, so I feel like they kind of lost it by, um, yeah, not staying SF. But, man, that Drahobo footage, like the old Thrasher videos of him bombing down s- sidewalk streets, it's almost like um, Bones Brigade stuff meeting, like, you know, more modern day. And it was just, like, it was undeniably rad, like, that Drahobo could, like, translate into that stuff. And who was the the crew on Think that you were hanging out with? Or did you not even skate with a lot of those dudes? Because like, I know like you and Kenny Reed were tight, yeah. and like that always seemed like more of your posse, like Kenny and then like Nikhail and people like that. But yeah. were there dudes on Think that you were skating with regularly? Okay, so not really. Like, I was total loner. Like, you know, I was down with my, my crew, like um, skating with Kenny, Kyle, um, Dan was our roommate. Like, we'd skate together all the time and you know kenny was getting hooked up um it's kind of funny because i was the first one to get sponsored and then and then kenny got on new deal mm. we went out and took some photos with um lance dawes and he ended up getting a um spread in the back of slap called it was a gallery okay. yeah. we went out with lance i didn't really know him that well i was just working at high speed so we had to skate on the weekends or after seven kenny did the shifty ollie um that ended up in the i think it was the first gallery it might have been the first gallery Two-page spread, um, New Deal, dude at New Deal saw it. He remembered Kenny from back in the day, called him up, and the rest was history. He was off and running. 
and the way I got on Think, actually another side note to that is I skated for Circuit Wheels. And I don't know how I got on Circuit Wheels. Like the, one day they were like, you're gonna ride, you're riding for Circuit Wheels, go out and take an, a photo for an ad tonight. I was like, okay, I know this ledge, I can skate. You know, and went out with uh, Luke Ogden. And Luke's like, I, I've got a spot for you. And I was, he's like, what can you do on this? And I was like, oh, I think I can switch 50-50 it. So I switched 50-50 the thing, and it takes me, I think it took me 24 tries, because it was a roll of film at the time. We're talking about film. And um, every time I would try so hard, I'd just slam on my, on my neck every time. And then I made one. I didn't even know how photos worked. He's like, he was like, you just have to make one. And I was like, okay. And I made the one. And then I was like, I want to get something better. Let's go out tomorrow. And then I go into work at 8 a.m. in the next day, and they're laying out the ad with the Switch 50. And I'm like, okay, I guess I don't get a chance to step it up. But I was like, I was cool with the picture. Um, and I was totally excited. That was the first picture I ever had in the magazine. And that kind of created my relationship with them moving forward. And that's why I'd go over and buy the boards. But um, I feel like the problem with me skating for Think at the time was, um, and, you know, Sorry to bring it back to myself again, but oh, I'm fine. telling my story here. <laughs> it was because Fosto put me on and Greg didn't put me on. And Greg Carroll was a team manager. And he was just like, who's this dude? Like, you know, um, and I get it. You know, it's, it's totally cool. Like, I was just stuck in a situation at that point and I was getting boards. You know, it was always a little beefy. But when I shot that ad, I actually went over there and I was like, Greg, can I get a board to shoot this circuit ad? And this is before I rode for him. I was still paying for the boards. And he was like, it's like, yeah, you can go in the seconds pile. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I was, dude, I was, I was bummed. Brutal. And I picked out a Chris Sen board that was like, I think it was twisted. And it was like nine inches wide. Oh. Like, and I, I was so upset that I spray painted it at work outside on the back behind high speed. Like that was like going out of my way, like to spray paint a board. And so if you look at that picture, I have a black board. And I, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm shooting a picture for your, for your wheel company, you know, and it's out of the same distribution. And give me a second. Like, you know, but it's, it's all good. Like, you know, um, you've got to claw your way up from, from nowhere, somewhere. But, uh, but yeah, I think that kind of had, had something to do with that it. Was, that's definitely something we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So Greg being involved, I guess I, guess I always thought – he had started the company or mm -hmm. he owned it or yeah. whatever it was just him being more or less royalty in Absolutely. skateboarding yeah. at the time and with yeah. his brothers doing what he was doing i can't help to think and wonder that that had a lot to do with just think and the competition at the time and how people perceived think and yeah. seeing uh or even maybe greg trying to compete with what his brother had going on and just trying to because at that time you know girl chocolate was exploding mm -hmm. and it was Absolutely. it was the the thing in skateboarding mm -hmm. and they were making a huge impact yeah. and i just i always wondered about how that worked it was yeah. it was a lot of things um a lot of the attention think was getting was because of greg's name was attached to it yeah. not to take anything away from yeah. all the talented skaters yeah. and and dope stuff they were putting out but you know and and being i guess under the thrasher umbrella mm -hmm. and a san francisco hub like brand yeah i can't i always wondered about that yeah i don't know a lot about greg's 
history before I got there, like about ownership or any of that stuff. Okay. I just know that he was a shot caller. He was a team manager, technically, you know, as the the guy who said who gets stuff or who gets the ads. And then there was like, um, there was Fish and there was Keith Cochran and then there was Fosso at the top. I don't know what the, what the breakup was, but um, Greg was definitely like the one that, he was like the guy on the, in the street, like on the grounds. Like, you know, he was out there with the skaters. He would drive the van for a tour. You know, he, he was judging contests. He was doing um, emceeing contests around that time and stuff like that. Um, you know, he, uh, he was the one that was like really dedicated to like making, caring about Think and making sure that it was like as good as it can be. You know, he chose the riders, all that stuff. And I think it was just kind of bad because I started off on a beefy start with it, you know, with him. Total respect for him doing his thing. Yeah, I feel like just back to the too many cooks in the kitchen thing. Um, you know, I don't feel like he was able to fully make Think what he probably wanted it to be because, you know, it was getting pulled in all these different directions. But yeah, he, I mean, you remember hearing the story about him headbutting Colt Cannon? No. At a contest, like, Cole, I know what you're talking Cole about. Cannon quit, you know, and he, so, he, you know, there was a lot of stories about Greg Carroll being this, like, badass team manager, you know, don't cross him and all this stuff. And then I think he kind of had to live up to that, and Colt had quit, and then he said something like, you know, swear on Phil's, I don't even know, you know, this is just, like, hearsay, this is gossip. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but um, I believe that happened. There was some footage of it, like, where he kind of, like... It's in Man Down okay. at the very beginning, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, wow. so that that just a little taste of like how serious he took it. And um, there was another incident that like w as far as Greg goes, like taking his company seriously, um, I, there was a really big kind of like East Coast, West Coast thing at the time. And I don't know if you guys if you think about it in a time in a in a time capsule of like history, you know, we had this like Biggie and Tupac, like they were still mm -hmm. alive, like, you know, and they just had there was the beef they were just passed. So, you know. I kind of think about hip-hop when I think about um, history and stuff like that because uh, that's something that I've always been into. So there was this East Coast, West Coast thing. I feel like, you know, Greg represented California, San Francisco hard. You know, he's very Frisco, you know, always wearing a Giants hat, mm -hmm. Niners hat. Like, you know, um, I think he actually, uh, I was living here for like five years and I was wearing a Giants hat and he's like, how long have you lived here? And I was like, five years? He's like, okay, you could you get a barely get a pass like you know i don't even feel like i can wear a giants hat right now hey, like nowadays I, yeah. he might have got checked because they mm -hmm. were from daily city right? <laughs> yeah. and, i mean yeah. there's a lot of like yeah. myself who might check a daily city kid for, so you can say that you yeah. know what i'm oh. saying no <laughs> that's funny but like you know and me being an outsider from maine you know i mean i didn't get sponsored until i was 17 or 18 at the time and so you know i didn't grow up um you know buying boards at 12 years old from a pro skater that lived on the block, right. you know, like all these kids in San Francisco. But I remember um, one of the other dividing moments for me and think was um, I went on this East Coast tour from Philadelphia. They, they traveled from San Francisco to New York and back to San Francisco. And it was a slap tour and it was um, Greg Carroll was in, the, in charge and uh, Brian Gaberman was there to shoot photos for slap. And there was a bunch of pros and um, they met up with me on the way back at Philadelphia and I was staying at Ricky Iola's house wow. so he was a huge influence on me at the time too like he's just like you know he's the godfather of Philly um I he was a really good source for um like information for me like I'd go to him like ask him what I should do and stuff like that but at the time I was just getting to know him um the connection I had was he lived with Roger Brown who um huge 
Philadelphia influential skateboarder. Um, the other godfather of Philadelphia. The, yeah, the yeah. original. Roger's a super rad dude. And um, he was he had lived in SF and he was working sales at high speed. Now, he was like, if you ever make it out to Philly, he moved back. He's like, you know, you can stay at my place. And I was just like, oh, I want to go to Philadelphia. Like, you know, Eastern Exposure 3 had come out. And I was like, this is, this is what I, you know, I was living in SF, but then I like gravitated back towards East Coast. And I was like, oh, I'll go out there for a little while. And so I was staying one summer with, with Rick and, and, um, and Roger. And uh, they met up with me in Philly to take me on the rest of this tour. It was really weird because this is like early cell phone days. It was like you had to be a baller. You know, it wasn't, it was after the brick Mm-hmm. But it was like before the Nokia, but it was like still like, you know, like the flip down. Yeah, the big flip phones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greg had a cell phone, which is kind of like it was baller status um, at the time. So he he comes to pick me up and I give him the address that we're at. And he calls me and he's like two blocks away. And he's like, come out. I'm, I'm down the street. And I was like, this is weird. Like, why? Why doesn't he come up and pull up to the front door to pick me up? So like. I get out and I'm ro- I'm either rolling my bag of like you know I look like Axel Foley checking into the hotel. I got my like trash bag with my with my stuff in it you know or whatever. And I'm like dragging it down the street and I get in the van with him and then I I'm like okay that was kind of weird you know. But it turns out that Rick had a beef with with Greg that go- went way back. I guess there was some contest. Rick kind of told me the story. Some contest where like he Greg was the MC and he was telling everybody get off the course. Everyone that rides for adventure is going to get the boot if you don't stop skating now and rick comes over and he goes fuck you i ride for indy and he keeps skating and you know sometimes that's all it takes you know oh man rick and greg i can <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. do two strong personalities there oh yeah absolutely that's, that's so gnarly so but at the same time me knowing each person very well if these guys got in the same room they would wind up best friends honestly like they had so much in common but sometimes that's tough when you have a lot in common with somebody you know it's like you kind of there's a lot of static and they were on the younger side at the time too. Like I thought of them as being older, but like they they were still young men figuring out their, their ways. That was a weird start, you know? And I felt like it was kind of weird for Greg that I was with him and he, you know, he's always, I'm assuming people think the worst, you know, they're probably thinking like, Oh, you know, Rick's telling them all this stuff. And like, but I, I was just a kid, dude. I just wanted to skate, film tricks and do my thing, you know? Right. So now looking back at it at this point, I know you said you had a handful of clips and dedication and then the trade show video, <laughs> you, you told me before we hit record that that yeah. was the best footage that you'd ever had yeah. in your career. Yeah. Um, well, not career, but like when I was skating for Think, that was the best footage I ever had. And it was, um, it was a five minute trade show video that only got put onto, as far as I know, one VHS tape. And it, it was at a trade show and it was it was pretty sick it was like edited there was some hip-hop in it and there was like some uh guns i was skating to um the song that uh, the guns and roses song that gino ended up skating to and um yeah right i it's think it's so easy it's so easy i feel like they took a swipe at me because there's like the part where he goes fall down and then i i fall down in the street in sf like i hit my head in the footage but um i had this sick emb line that I was so psyched on i grinded this double kink rail and um in Petrel Hill, and um, they never got, never saw this light of day. And you know, that's how it is. Sometimes it's all good. Um, but then I had two tricks in the the dedication video. Yeah. And the the two tricks they chose were tricks that people that worked for High Speed had filmed. And when they work for High Speed, they don't have to get paid for contributing the footage. So that was like the deciding factor. It was like it wasn't on the merit of the tricks. It was because we don't have to pay John Tripp because he works at 
slap or whatever. And so it was like two whatever tricks. And then my roommate's trick was the other one. Because they were like, oh, this is Sean's roommate. We don't have to pay him. So I had a back tail on the curved ledge. It's out in the Presidio. Uh, is that that red one by Fort yeah. Mason? I remember yep. that ledge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still there. It's just yep. so chunky now. Yep. So I back tailed that. And then I did this backside 180 into the street. And Soma, that was like this, um, they were doing construction on something and the, the wall was missing. So it was like a pop-up spot for a minute, a backside went into the street. But it was like by no means like anything I wanted anyone to see, you know. I just had no control over it and that was in the video. And I think I'm crammed in between like Corey Duffel and Dustin Zimmerman. There's a name for you. Young that, Corey has yeah. like an ollie or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he think. looks directly at the camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. This was pre-Freddy Krueger phase. Yeah. Yeah. He hadn't quite gotten to that level yet. And that, there's another there's another time I, I can speak on is um, Corey's rad. He, you know, he, he's rad, dude. Like, love skateboarding, like, kind of weird image things at, at certain points, but whatever. He uh, The talent speaks for itself. But um, I went out there one time when he was really young, and we went to skate with him, and it was, it was such a bizarre thing. Like, I came from the city, you know? Um, is this Walnut Creek? Or? Yeah, I went to Walnut Creek. Right, okay. You Took know, the Bart. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I like skated down the street to get a coffee or a soda from his house. And I was like, I was skating on the sidewalk and I had these really deep cracks. And I'm like, yeah. And everyone was looking at me like, what's this dude doing skating down the street? Like, this is illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, it was weird. Like, I went to his house and he had two refrigerators, one that had like sports drinks. One was dedicated to the sports drinks that his mom was giving him to like, fortify his bones so he could skate harder you wow. know and he's like tw 12 years old and then he's got a s two stacks of boards under his bed and like a mini ramp in the backyard and like oh, a rail man. out front and they lived at the cul-de-sac like i guess that's what it's called and i'm like wow this is like a whole nother world like you know and they're like do you want do you want some more um you know snacks you know it was just like this weird setting and then we went out to skate and you know it was just a whole nother world herbs yeah you know and i was from i lived downtown I ate ramen, you yeah. know, I lived on like a dollar twenty-five a day. Like I kept checking underneath the cushions and the mattress to see if there's more quarters every day. Like, like we, hoping that someone dropped some money down, you know, struggling. Yeah. That's, you can't live in SF like that yeah. anymore. That's for yeah. sure. But in the grand scheme of your career now, um, <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. well, do you, do you look at think as like, was it more of a stepping stone, or would you say that's the first major, like, block of your career within skateboarding? To say to say career is is kind of like, uh, it's it's kind of tough for me to to like accept that because I didn't really make I didn't really ever make any money skateboarding. Uh, eventually, I rode for ATM and I got like a check for something that I did, uh, some video I was in. Like, I got a I think it was five thousand dollars bonus that's big yeah, yeah that i mean even at the time like that to me that was like i'm not working for three years like i've got this covered like You're tired i was doing math on the on the um box macaroni and cheese that was um 37 cents across the street and i was like this can i can live off it for like this long but yeah i feel like i feel like think was um it was kind of a stepping stone and it was just because they had a good eye for talent but like they couldn't keep it for mm -hmm. some reason i don't know why and um, like Stefan Janowski skated for him, you know, and I had then, no yeah, idea. And then he went on to do all this stuff. Um, I there was a couple other dudes that I that I know that skated for him. I, I mentioned Dustin Zimmerman, like he ripped, dude. He was so good. He three sixty flipped the large gap at the library, like mm -hmm. the bigger one. Mm -hmm. um, he did all this stuff. Like he was so amazing, and he just got passed up. Tony Miriano skated for him. 
Wow. You know, um, ended up, I don't know if he still skates for, um, uh, for anti-hero, anti-hero but yeah. he was on anti-hero but um he didn't work out and uh, carl watson skated for him but you I know, remember carl skating for right. him yeah. yeah and there was just so many dudes like and i think that's kind of what it became was like you know this is the starter kit and then we take it from there and i to be honest with you i feel like adrian probably got on think with that mindset and perspective that he was gonna like go on to do more but the industry just kind of is what it is sometimes and it's like and he was probably like, you know, I'm just going to make the most of this opportunity. Um, and he made the most of it. Like, no one can deny that, like, you know, that was another golden era for them was mm-hmm. when that period came back. And I'm sure you want to probably get into that newer stuff. But, like, oh, man, he's so good, you know. It's just so rad to watch him skate. He's got a, his own selection of tricks. He's got his totally his own style. Um, I know he's trying to get on Zoo, and that didn't really pan out. Yeah, he made a good mark for himself. But, um kind of lost track with that but if there's one dude who i would say maybe it's not the right way to put it but made a career out of being on think mm-hmm. and maybe maximized his time i always think of danny funzaletta mm-hmm. he was on for a while Absolutely. and he had a couple really sick video parts mm-hmm. and not just think projects and other stuff too um but yeah moving into that new era and considering how think was used i think it's just a pat duffy and Drahobel. it sounds like Drahobel was on for a, a a lot longer it seems like they were kind of pulling people like oh we can pull pat duffy over for a little bit and mm-hmm. that'll create some attention like they were kind of with their clout maybe they had mm-hmm. in the industry they were able to pull people in mm-hmm. and it's interesting to me just to talk about your and the free your mind part because yeah. some would say that's later in his career Absolutely. right it is um, i mean that's he was on crooked at that point when yeah. he did yeah. free your mind and i've always kind of looked at thinks star children being drahobel and phil shaw you know those are two names that Especially Phil, like yeah. Phil will always be remembered within skating because he was just one of the dudes in that era who went truly mm-hmm. buck wild in yeah. terms of like he went bigger than most people mm-hmm. expected. He had a style that was very much his own. Mm-hmm. He was the ultimate ATV before it was cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Like and yeah, and they were kind of the people that think harbored very early on and they were allowed to grow with them backing them. They were both way ahead of their time. Like mm-hmm. like I mean, I I mentioned the fact that Jehovah was skating transition and like it didn't get understood until later on and now it's like you've got the um you know people skating parks like there's so many people you know mm-hmm. Raventer Shea and all these dudes oh, yeah. like killing transition and they're making a a living off skating tranny which is like that's pretty crazy to look look at at that time um because you needed street photos and it had to be street but um Phil was super ahead of his time too I mean he was just like skating super fast he skated everything it's just so rad to look back at that stuff but um, I don't know if you guys, I'm kind of going off a little rumor and, and stuff I had heard, but uh, I had understood that Phil and Drahobo were going to start a company. Yeah, I've read about that yeah. before, and I think it was called something ridiculous like Dump Truck. Yeah, it was, or, yeah. well, you know, it was it was so early on in the stages, it was like, that was probably like Dan's like sense of humor. It was kind of like him taking uh, Freedom Clothing and making a board company with it. You know, it was going to be a bunch of like piss cats and like 
dudes with their heads up their butt or whatever graphics. Yeah, some hilarious graphics. Basically look like an eighth grade bathroom like drawing, you know, (laughs) or something like that. But, you know, superimposed on a pair of cargo pants. It would have been cool to see what that would have you know, Ben uh, had it manifested and happened, but, um, you know, um, that's, that's a shame that that never came to fruition because we all would have liked to have seen that. Was think ever, and you may even have, not even have the answer, but just honestly, like reliving the history, uh, with you and hearing your story, it gives me anxiety just hearing how the company was ran <laughs> I, and that there was yeah. just so much going on and they could never really yeah. find a cohesive theme or anything. Were they ever a profitable company? I'm sure they were. I think the way that they ran things was like, I'm, it was probably pretty tight. Like this era of skateboarding, is not, it's not around anymore. It's like, um, they were making the boards down the street. You know, they're screening the boards in Hunter's Point. They were doing the cut and sew down the street. You know, it was all worked out. They would, it was before uh, heat transfer graphics, so they were screen printing boards. You know, on water-based ink. Like, wow. you know, I would get a board, and I if I peeled the the um, shrink wrap off. And I was at the bus stop one day with a board. I was taking the FTC to train in for another shape, and these drops started hitting the board and the paint started like running down the board and i'm like oh my god i'm stuck with this board now and yeah and um you know this was a different era they there was stacks of boards in there in the warehouse like you know and there was boxes going in and out going you know headed out now it's like you know stuff is being made in china the industry isn't in san francisco the Mm -hmm. same maybe it's just as big i don't know um like i said i was very low on the totem pole at that time so like i wasn't privy to that kind of like numbers and stuff like that um i didn't care about it you know i didn't need to know about it i was just like i was the talent you know i was the one grinding out um but i feel like they were doing pretty good like you know and uh, you know not i don't i don't want to like cast a a bad look on the whole kit like i want i want to be able to like tell good stuff about it as well um but it didn't work out for me you know it didn't work out for me basically one day i came in and i was like um, you're probably going to get to the reason why I left. Well, that, that yeah. was I, I was okay. actually about to just ask you yeah. that, like, yeah. you know, if because you you've been in terms of telling your story today, I feel mm. you've been pretty fair. Like you've told okay. some okay. of the ups, you've told some of the downs. Okay, cool. What worked, what didn't, and I mean that's ultimately the conversation we wanted to have today because. Yeah. Ultimately, with these like defunct company episodes mm. that we're starting now, you yeah. know, we want to talk about certain brands and why they were great and Mm. why they were there for their time but ultimately why they weren't able to last yeah because the 90s in particular had so many brands that were just they were quick flashes in the pan and i Mm. mean think had a little bit more longevity like one of the episodes we want to eventually do with this idea is like shorties I and I feel Shorty's was way more a flash in the pan than mm-hmm. Think was. You know, yeah. Think yeah. was around for like almost 20 years. They just yeah. always seemed to be grasping at straws in, yeah. in different ways. But yeah, it seemed like like going into the newer era and when I was just doing like a little refresher and research for this episode, all this stuff came back to me like... Cody Mack got on mm-hmm. yep. and like all yep. these other like gnarly dudes. Bachinski mm-hmm. too. Bachinski, yep. right. And Hometown then, hero, by the which way. Which kind of maybe eventually turned into, what was it, City or? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. yeah. And, but it seemed to me that they 
maybe disappeared for a little bit mm-hmm. for a while there and then yeah. like they came back with like adrian and all these other dudes that we mentioned and that mm-hmm. was kind of like their second wind mm-hmm. being involved with high speed and and thrasher and just having that behind them it sounds like they had more of an advantage more so as like distribution and money behind them mm-hmm. to kind of stay afloat yeah. As opposed to like some other company that's like, well, we're yeah. kind of dying off. We don't have this huge machine behind us to yeah. keep pushing us. Yeah. So it was, I, I feel like looking back, it was, um, it was a good mix between <clears throat> it being a skater owned company. Like that's, that's what it was truly was. So you can never mess with that. Um, you know, skaters own the company. Fosto backed it. It was like undisputable, like history, you know, can't mess with it. Um, Greg Carroll brought his talent to the table. Um, Fish brought his history to it. And Keith Cochran brought his kind of like brand of like Keith Cochran to it. So, but the thing, so there was that, that there was a talent involved. So that kept it going. There was another thing is that it was connected. It was Fosso's company. So it was like, it kind of couldn't go out of business. It was connected to Thrasher. It was like, as soon as a dude got on, they could start pumping somebody. They had the means, you know, it was all plugged in. It was like, you know, you could have clips in the Thrasher video because it was right across the street. You know, it was like a done deal. That's where they had the advantage. And I don't want to say, kind of seemed like it was a little bit of a pet project in a way, you know, that was never really 100% was put into it. But that's just sort of like, you know, that wasn't everybody because like I was putting 100% into it, you know. Um, I know Greg was putting 100% into it, but maybe the higher ups were kind of like, you know, this thing can exist as long as it makes X amount of money. Um, we'll keep this going. And, um, you know, we're not going to, like, go in it overly, you know, extend ourselves. But it's always going to exist because it was under the marquee of the people, you know, Thrasher and Slap. So it was plugged in. Um, Thrasher was not, during that time, too, me and Ted, I was joke around about the weird stuff that Thrasher used to put in their magazines yeah. of the snowboard ads and all this Oh, yeah, Mar- ads for Marines and stuff they, like that. Yeah, yeah. They, it sounds yeah. very on par with kind of what Think was doing, too. They, mm-hmm. weren't, they were trying weird stuff. They weren't mm-hmm. necessarily focused all the time. There was a lot of, like, missteps. I feel like, I feel like when I rode for them, they were like, six months to a year behind the current trends Hmm. it was funny because they were so anti what was going on at the time so it was like okay i remember when zoo york was heavy hitting and this is before it got bought and sold and all that stuff and it became like golfers clothing and whatnot but um when i was riding for them i was into zoo york ricky was just off or whatever but i was still into zoo york as an image so it was like a street company and i remember the only shirt i used to want to wear was this like sewer lid that said think on it and i wasn't into all the other stuff it was like all this weird like weird graphics they were totally like cartoons and stuff and like i wasn't into it and i would just get like the think logo boards and i would get um these shirts with the think uh manhole cover because it was like it was kind of urban you know but then a year would go by and then they would have all these graphics that would be kind of like zoo york you know and then a little while later like they would someone would come out with something so they were like misstepping by a couple by a couple just not getting it on in time you know and i don't know if it would have worked out if they would have like tried to like gravitate towards what was cool at the time but like they were always kind of misstepping a couple moves behind and um i just remember that and i feel like the inception or the beginning of um, city skateboards was kind of like their Zoo York. Like they were like, okay, we're going to make our Zoo York. It's city skateboards. You know, if you think about it in that way, it's kind of like 
it's like an SF version of that. Mm -hmm. um, not to take anything away from it because those those dudes were so sick. That team was awesome. Like they did a, all this Jeremy rad Reeves, stuff. Man, yeah. it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Super good. Yeah. Um, Alex Klein was on there. Yeah. You know, I used to skate with him a lot around that time. Alex Klein, um, super and, nice guy. Yeah. So then ultimately, what made you decide to leave? And then going off of that, why do you think the company eventually went up? Like, I don't know if they went under, they just called it quits or what, but like, why'd you leave? And then why did the company end up fading away? So I started to get a lot of coverage, you know, it was kind of like, I felt a little bit like I wasn't being respected on the company, but I was still going to ride for him. You know, I took the underdog perspective of, you know, I'm just going to get so much coverage. I'm just going to like get more coverage than any pro they have, you know, because I had the connections. I knew people at slap and thrasher and whatnot. So I was just like, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm going to do it hard. And you know, this is my chance. And I quit working at high speed and I just skated and I was like barely able to survive, you know, I couldn't pay my bills and, um, but I made a really good effort at doing it. You know, I got to the point where I was like, I got us, this is, this is the era where you, to turn pro, you had to have a checkout in every magazine. You had to have a 411 wheels of fortune or a video part featured in something. And then you could get a board, you know, that was pretty much all there was to it. It was um, not contest days or anything like that, but people had to know your name. And uh, I remember at one point, I had so much coverage, and Greg Carroll one time was like, yeah, I use you as an example to the other riders. Like, this is how it's done. And I'm like, okay, what's the problem then, you know? Like, and there was issue, and he, he went to Japan on the trip, and he's like, yeah, there was these Japanese skaters asking us when your board's going to come out. And I was like, usually that's enough to, like, you know, make it happen. <laughs> what's um, up with it? Yeah. So um, I did my thing. I don't know how much people knew about it. You know, I might have just been a blip on the radar, but, you know, in Japan's like a small place really granted in skateboarding especially at the time you know i got a checkout in thrasher not in thrasher i got some coverage in thrasher but i had slap checkout two slap checkouts slap interview transworld checkout i want to say uh big brother so i'm bringing out some name some old stuff but um whatever i had a checkout in like every magazine i could get and they all said thank you know people would come out to sf and they'd be like i thought you were on like i thought you were or maybe pro or whatever like um, and I'm like, no, you know, I'm just flow or whatever. I remember one time I was at FTC and I ran into Matt Field and he's like, he's like, you're not, you're not on, on. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not, you know, it's kind of like a gray area. And he's like, dude, you'd better march down there right now and tell them you need to be on. And I was like, okay, maybe I should, you know, and, um, you know, but I just didn't have that confidence at the time. Um, but what I did was I got all that coverage and then I went in there and I was so nerdy about it, dude. Like. You know, I took all the pictures I had in the magazines and I made Xerox copies at, at Kinko's. I printed them all out and I remember they're giving me beef because like you're not allowed to copy things from copywritten material at FedEx or whatever copy place. So I had to do them secretly. And I brought in this portfolio to, you know, it's totally nerdy like looking at it now, but you know, I was dedicated to my craft, you know, this, this is my thing, you know? So I was like, look at all this coverage I've gotten since I've been on, you know, and it was like laid out. I mean, I was making like a, a PowerPoint presentation before there was such a thing. And Greg was like, okay, I'm glad you, you came here. And it was like early one morning and like I got juiced up. I had like six coffees and like I was ready to like pitch my, you know. I think he was impressed that I came through to him like clear like that. But one of the things I never really grasped at the time was that a rider, and this is silly that I never grasped this, that a rider that's am is eventually like on a, track to being pro and if that's not the program then they don't want to invest in you you know so in other words they didn't just see me as like we don't want to put you on on 
um, we want to turn you pro and like work towards your shoe or whatever. I don't know, whatever. Probably didn't see me in that way, but what they do when you come to them with that is they say, let me check with the team. Like, and that's like the curse right there. Mm. Let me let me run this by the team. Because if you get an opinion from a whole team, dude, somebody's going to like not be down for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the reality. It's mm-hmm. like somebody's going to be like, well, no, dude, like that. Dude, he's taking a piece of our pie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's taking a piece, a, a big chunk out of our pie. I get it, you know, but it's passing the buck a little bit um, because two things happened when I was in that meeting. Veith Kilbert came in and they were like, Veith, go, go to FTC and pick out a shape for your, your pro model. And I was like, okay, this guy's getting aboard, and uh, he's Veith Kilbert. You know, I I heard he's the Muska of Europe. You know, um, that's so. He's fun. never he's never had a picture in a magazine. You know, but he's getting aboard, and and I'm like, I'm so I'm trying to weigh out this this what's going on around me. And the other thing was, um, there was a series of ads at the time. It was like it had pictures of the, the AMS, and uh, it had this this um, silhouette, and there was a question mark, and um, he's like, well. Your timing is perfect because you could be the the silhouette, you know. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I that's cool. You know, at least you're like something to strive for. And then uh, I think during the same meeting, he got a call on the phone and told someone else on the phone that they could be the silhouette. It wasn't. I'm not even joking. He's like, wow. like the same di- like basically pitched the same thing to some writer. It's a lot of pictures like I was doing my thing like I you know but it, it just kept happening like over the years like I would take a picture uh, I backside flipped the ice house bump and that was probably like the first big thing I did before that I don't think there's any tricks on it the ice house bump was that um, loading dock that was like a bump to flat to drop yeah. it was gnarly like you know and I backside flipped that and I shot a picture with Lance Dawes and they would get the photo and they would be like um it's kind of hard to see what you're doing like you know there's always an excuse like or um you know, uh, I can't really see the graphic or something like that. And um, so, you know, just that happened too many times. So I was just like, I had to basically make them say no, you know, because mm-hmm. I couldn't continue where I was on my path. And then I went back in. He's like, let me talk to everybody. And, you know, he talked to him and like somebody had something, something about, oh, he skates too slow or something like, I don't know, or, you know, whatever. Like my pants were like not the right pants or, you know dude you name it like some dudes are gonna have a problem like um and uh he's but i knew it was i knew it was a kibosh when i sat down and he was like so who who could you ride for and i was like okay that's that's where this is going like you know because he's like well with your with all the stuff that you have done like it shouldn't be a problem finding a sponsor Mm. and i was like dude i'm here with you guys like Mm -hmm. you know what you're shopping me out so i was like okay i see where this is going you know and uh and I said, well, you know, I skate, I skate with my friend Jeremy DeGlopper. Um, at the time, I was skating with him a lot. And I rode for uh, Iron Horse Grip Tape mm-hmm. yeah. um, through Jeremy. And I was like, well, you know, I was, Jeremy skates for ATM. I was thinking about, and before I could finish, they're like, oh, we'll call up John Fallahee. We'll get you on immediately. And I was like, wow. You know, and it was just like kind of a shutout. And I was like, I was pretty bummed about that. And, um, you know, I was I just kind of took it with a grain of salt, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. You know, um, I, I'm gonna skateboard no matter what. Um, I ended up riding for ATM, and um, I got on, and I had to go down there to uh, meet the team and see if we we like jive together and see if it was gonna be a fit. And I met Ryan Wiley, who's a team manager. He's the raddest dude. Um, he knew all the movies I knew. We'd quote like we'd finish quotes from like Tommy Boy and like. 
and Happy Gilmore and stuff. And he was a rad dude. Um, he rips too, so he, it was cool. And um, he ended up telling me that uh, the people at Think were like, "Yeah, you know, Sean wants to ride for you." And, like they had a conversation about me, and he said that um, they told ATM I was a workhorse. You know, and they're like, yeah, he's a workhorse. Like, you'll love him. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, you know, that's what I am. Like, I'm just like, you know, he'll, he'll rep your company, and, you know. Um, but I ended up skating for ATM for a while. So that was, it was cool. It was a friend was on there. And to me, that was the first time I skated for a company where I was really friends with somebody first and then a teammate with them after that. And um, Jeremy was kind of like out of skateboarding a little bit. And I kind of brought him back into it a little bit. So it was like, it was a very mutual relationship. Like, you know, I got him hooked up with, because he was from Southern California. So he didn't know anyone up here, um, but he was still pro. And like, uh, I'd connect him with photographers and filmers. And, you know, he hooked me up. And then we shared a video part in uh, Fast Youth, which was the first, well, the first ATM video I was in. But it's funny because all the footage that's in Fast Youth is all filmed while I was skating for Think. And they had no problem. They were like, I was like, is there a problem? Like I'm wearing a Think sweatshirt and board, like stickers. And and they're like, no, it's no problem. We'll, we'll give you the first part, you know? And I'm like, okay. Like supposedly hot guy gets the first part. Mm -hmm. But I shared a part with Jeremy because Jeremy was kind of like, the, he was like a little bit slacking at the time. And he's like, Sean, I really need a favor. Can we share a video part so I can juice this, you know? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. You got me to where I am right now. Like. I'll share a video part with you and it's all good. And then they laid the video out and like, I'm, I'm pretty psyched on my footage, but, um, you know, half the video part was like no skate sounds and like, you know, and then I have a couple tricks in the, in another part that doesn't even make any sense. Like yeah. it is what it is. Well, I mean, thanks again for doing this today, yeah. Sean. Yeah, um, I mean, it was nice to just nerd out about that. I mean, yeah. not only did like we get to rehash on all that, but like I learned so much about think when I mean being a small town kid in skateboarding I never really knew too much about think like you're Jeremy you talked about like how being in the city you had this perception of think but you know growing up in the sticks think was one of those things that like we just knew about it yeah. but we didn't know too much so well it makes a lot of sense hearing the backstory behind it and just mm -hmm. kind of the ambiguity of their existence and mm -hmm. their lifespan and just hearing all of it it like it makes a lot more sense now yeah and you know i really appreciate what you guys are doing because like you're you know you're psyched on skating like you don't have any backers to do this you're just doing this at, out of your pure passion and like you know that's kind of like where i come from in the same way as like you know i just i love skateboarding and i just i'm dedicated to doing it and it's just like you know it's it's an it's a one-of-a-kind thing in the end you know it doesn't matter as long as you're like doing your thing and you're and you're expressing yourself you know in your kind of ways like it's it's really cool so it's been really cool sitting down with you guys and you know it's really fun to have someone actually like want to hear your stories and listen to you um i hope i didn't sound too much like give it a bad name but not at all thanks guys if anything now we know way more about think <laughs>